0: Well, the word is out, the Dodgers are world's champions.
1: It's time
0: for Dodger Baseball. So I know it's been almost a month, since the last time Swingshift reported, this is Swingshift. My name is Ryan Bershinger. He is Bo Benson. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RNB. And it's been a, a, a minute. It's been a while. And Bo and I were talking. Look, we've been rather busy. Uh, you know, Bo got married. Uh, we've been... Uh, work is is all over the place. Of course, you know, Bo and I work at the same place. So uh, when one of us is working, uh, the other is not. If the other's not... You know what I mean. In, in the nature of, of, of work. So we were talking about like all right, when are we going to record next? And we thought about it and we're like, yes, you know what? Let's record an episode that will not be heard live by anyone about 48 hours from the trade deadline. That 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 should that should be a nice evergreen episode that will really uh really provide the good everlong content. Uh so yes, we are just almost 2 days away from the trade deadline and if anything happens during this episode we're going to talk about it hopefully great things happen during this episode but we're going to put the classic swing shift curse out there right now <laughs> if we what what happens typically is when we record an episode during the time between us finishing the episode and us publishing the episode uh, something happens that we should have addressed and and a lot of our information then goes out the window so we're doing this in hopes that it is in fact instantly information that is out of date because that would mean that you know max scherzer is on the dodgers and hopefully not bringing covid with him. well but not
2: hey. after blake snell's performance today <laughs> <laughs> That's stinky true. That's
0: true. we have a very special guest friend of the show wyatt asher you can follow him on twitter at wyatt underscore asher underscore former writer for dodgers nation uh wyatt thank you so much for coming on we're really happy to have you Thank you, guys.
1: I'm very happy to be here. Um, uh, First, I want to say congratulations to Bo on the marriage, the wedding. Thank you. I didn't get to say that verbally yet. Um, (laughs) And second of all, I'm very happy to to be in a place where everything I say is going to be put on the record, recorded. If I say something dumb, okay, it's fine. I can live with that. If I say something smart, everything's uh, being recorded. So there's a a good history. Exactly. There's a record. Yes.
0: I'm happy to be on the record here. (laughs) Good. Good. Perfect. Um we only say smart things. So you're going to be fine. There, well, there's never been a bad you know, take on this podcast.
2: Honestly, to speaking of on the record, um, you know, trade deadline season and all that. Yes. Uh, this is our first major piece of news from okay, a trusted okay. MLB insider. <clears throat>
0: all right, lock in, lock in. Here we go.
2: Uh, responding to a report from Odyssey Sports that Javi Baez of the Cubs uh said he wants to play with Francisco Lindor of the Mets. Uh good old John Heyman tweeted out uh Old friends would make one heck of a DP combo. So uh John, I mean you have
1: the time to just <laughs> type out the words.
0: You don't have to do it this way.
1: I, I yeah. also have some uh some tough news for Javi Baez. Someone should tell me he's not a free agent and he doesn't get to decide where he gets <laughs> traded. <laughs> Someone might want to let him know that.
2: <laughs> oh, God. Le- the the D P combo come to town. Start spreading the news.
0: Uh, all right, well let's let's uh, let's get this episode started with trade rumors right away because, like I said, uh, we need to put the swing shift curse out there and uh, create a trade of Max Scherzer to the Dodgers and possibly trade Turner with him. Uh, you know, once he's uh, uh, allowed out of his house. Um, but <laughs> but let's talk about that. So we've had a, a lot of rumors swirling. Of course, the Dodgers are going to acquire a starting pitcher. They can't not unless they don't want to try this season. Uh, They are in a position where you've had injuries to the staff. Uh, We came into the season throwing around the idea of having like an eight man starting rotation. And uh, now it's like two and a half, which is fun. Uh, So the Dodgers are going to get a starting pitcher. They they have to. They're probably to prob- really probably
2: group. two. If we're being I, honest, yeah.
0: I, ideally, at least two. Um, and so their name has been tied to Max Scherzer, uh, guys like uh, John Palmarosi and and a lot of reporters out there have been on on that Scherzer has been especially tied to the NL West specifically, and it's coming down to especially the Dodgers and Giants and in on are in on him. And I've been saying for months that the Padres are going to shell out for Max Scherzer because that feels like a Padres thing to do. And like you mentioned, Bo with Blake Snell uh, continuing to not be that good of a pitcher, it makes it even uh, more dire for them. So, what are your guys' thoughts on? I'm not going to ask you. What are your thoughts on Max Scherzer? Max Scherzer's a great pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, uh, he's, he's the best pitcher available, and adding him to this staff would be incredible. I uh, well,
2: I, I saw this I saw this floating around, and I, I think I agree with it too. I um I don't know I don't know if the Padres are really going to make a big splash in the trades here. Uh, I mean, obviously, Frazier is a a good good pickup. Um, for a third place team that needs offensive help, but, um, they have like half a billion dollars or a billion dollars on their infield. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like Washington is not going to take back Eric Hosmer in a trade for Max Scherzer. Right. So like if they're going to acquire somebody like Scherzer, um, they're going to have to dump Hosmer and you know, you're going to have to attach like a prospect to, to, to Hosmer to do that. So I don't know if the Padres are going to be like the players that we think they would be in for a guy like Max. I think it's more likely that they wind up being like out there for one of the smaller, smaller name starting pitchers. The the Giants should concern people if they uh, if they were to get Max. That would be mm-hmm. that would be very frustrating.
1: Yeah, I think if the Padres were to attach like cj abrams or mackenzie gore i think they could definitely get off that Hosmer contract i think even if they traded like one of those two prospects was they're both like top 10 top 15 guys in all of baseball they could i think they could probably get scherzer considering he's a rental if they that way they get off the Hosmer contract they trade one of the top prospects in baseball and then they get half a season of scherzer i don't think that would shock me i mean we've seen aj preller he's he's definitely not afraid to make big moves like even going back to the Matt Kemp trade years ago, he he likes going out and getting big names, you Darvish, the list goes on, Machado and free agency. So um, I don't know. Honestly, I think Scherzer goes to one of the three NOS teams. I, it, it's hard to say which. I don't know if the Dodgers are a great match in terms of prospects, but um, I just hope he doesn't go to the Padres or Giants. But if I, had, if I had to put my money somewhere, I don't know if it would be the Dodgers, but um, I hope I'm wrong. I do hope I'm wrong.
0: I think it is interesting. That's what, what's what been going on with the Padres, where Mackenzie Gore should be a very strong prospect. But on all accounts, he's had a pretty rough season in the minors. And I feel like especially with, you know, they've also dealt with injuries in, in their rotation. They've they've had to make some moves there. It would have made sense at some point for Gore to be up by now if the Padres felt he's ready. Um do you guys so uh, why do you feel like uh people across baseball still view Gore as that sort of elite level prospect that could bring back uh, a strong return like that?
1: Well, the thing with Gore and I, I know this cuz I I had him in a fantasy. I thought it was going to be like a big breakout pick. <laughs> yeah. Obviously hasn't gone the way. I know he had uh blister problems at the beginning of the year. I know mm-hmm. those can like kind of linger. Um but I, I do think he's still – it kind of reminds me of uh, Forrest Whitley on the Astros. He was, like, also a top prospect, and he's his stock has just fallen completely to where I don't even know if he's in the top 100 anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think Gore's at that level yet. I, I know he hasn't been great in the minors, but this is a guy, just even just, like, at the beginning of the year, we were all saying he's, like, the top pitching prospect in baseball. Mm-hmm. So I, would, I still think he's very desirable – If you you trade half a season of anybody, forget Scherzer, half a season of anybody and get someone who just a few months ago was the top pitching prospect in baseball, I think you'd do that every time. So even if his stock has fallen, I'd imagine if the Padres are willing to get rid of him, uh, they could get pretty much any player in baseball
0: with a half a year, one
1: and a half years left on their contract.
0: I think that's a really good point. Uh, the fact is, like, yeah, if you're giving up a rental, you might as well take a chance on a guy like Gore. I, I, I'm not saying like this is. It, it's similar in a way. I thought the 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 Marte Lazardo deal today was super interesting because Jesus Lazardo looked fantastic last year, and I still I still really like him as a project. But he he looked terrible to start this season, and then he got really mad at a video game and broke his hand. Uh, but we've all we've all been there. We've all. Been there. <laughs> like, who among us? Um, But uh, I, I, I like that deal a lot for the Marlins because I still am a believer in Luzardo, and uh, if you if if you take some time with him, they have no reason to like to to you know. They can add, they have the luxury to be able to not luxury you know what I mean they they can put time into a guy like that and you're looking at a rotation next year the Marlins with Alcantara and and Pablo Lopez and Jesus Lizardo if, if all those guys are performing at the level that they should that's a great deal for them um, so but yeah if you're if you're moving a a rental and you get a guy who had those projections coming into this season then yeah, I, I, I'm seeing more now that, that Gore still does carry that sort of trade value. Um, but going back to the Dodgers here, I think that I, Scherzer has to be the number one target uh, because it makes a ton of sense. I know Bo and I have talked about this in the past, especially with the stuff going on with Bauer. Um, you want to make a move that will kind of reinvigorate the fan base right now. Uh, and and have a starting pitcher that they want to get behind and root for, and Max Scherzer is absolutely that guy. Um, it's also it's very much, of course, a win now move, and you go into the playoffs with the rotation of, of Bueller, Kershaw, and Scherzer. That's that's fantastic, and that yeah. instantly solves the problem that Trevor Power had to create <laughs> for being a dumbass.
2: They they also just need someone to get through the rest of the season too, mm-hmm. like the the bullpen has been overworked and you can't, you can't sustain yourself like having every other start be like, you know, David price going for five innings or like Josiah gray, who's been fine, Mm -hmm. but you just can't rely on him when it gets down to it, especially as you're, you know, you're still looking up at the giants in the standings now. So it, it just, for all the reasons in the world, it makes a ton of sense to get a Scherzer. Um, which is probably why it won't happen. Of course,
0: of course.
1: Yeah, the Dodgers have uh, Gonsolin, Gray Price. Like, they're all, they're really not workhorses. Like, the way, they're still being built up, but the way they've been used is really more like the 80 pitch range. And the Dodgers desperately need someone who can go out there throw throw 100-plus pitches. That's what Bauer was. Uh, Roberts was, like, super liberal, and when uh, he would pull him, he'd let him go. Regular, routinely above a hundred pitches, and that's just someone I think the rotation really needs. Uh, especially if we don't, uh, if we trade for Scherzer and don't sign him to an extension, there's no like long-term concern there. We mm-hmm. could throw him out there, a hundred plus pitches every time. I, I think we really, really need someone like that, just a workhorse. Because even Euler, Urias, you don't really see them throwing, yeah. getting mm-hmm. much above a hundred since they're young. And
2: that that was like, and that was like the one thing with Bauer is like he would r- routinely. At least go out and give you like one ten, one twenty sometimes. So they've missed that for sure.
0: Yeah, and and I think too bringing in a a bulk innings guy, not only Scherzer but getting a second pitcher who could eat up a lot of innings as well yeah. would be very important because that way, in these last the last month or two, maybe you look at moving Julio to the pen because he does he does look like he is rather tired out there, and in the postseason especially, he'd be incredibly useful to have coming out of the bullpen. Cool. Uh, he would be a very nice fourth starter as well. but and and using him as a fourth starter in the playoffs, too, you 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 can still have him just throw like three or four innings to start the game, and that's totally fine. So uh, I think that finding a way to to kind of give Julio some rest in these last couple months would be nice. I think they've probably wanted to do that, but we're not in a position where we can. He's he's yeah. he, he kind of he's been the the second best starter at the moment who's healthy, You know, Kershaw will come back eventually, but, Um, but I, I think that with Scherzer, especially there is also a very real concern that he does go to the giants. And I think that that move would make a ton of sense for that team. Um, the giants, I think need to make more moves than anybody right now, because they're in a position where they can actually win now. And I don't think they expected that coming into the season. Um, If you're getting this kind of crazy production from Anthony Desclafani and having, uh, you know, the 2012 giants produce like it's 2012 again. um, the, The giants are in a position where they have to invest now and win now, and they haven't had to move minor league pieces for quite some time. So they, they have capital to get guys like Scherzer. Um, So I I think that is a very real concern. I think that they, it's more likely they maybe get a bat, Um, maybe Trevor Story, maybe Chris Bryant. Um, The Giants are going to make a big splash and Farhan Saidi is very good at that. So uh, they have the capital to make these sort of moves what what do you guys think about the the prospect of, of Max Scherzer to the Giants what do you think that sort of deal would look like
2: uh if Scherzer goes anywhere but the Dodgers he's overrated it's <laughs> <That's>
1: just <laughs> yeah, I, that's I agree, how it I goes. it's just how it is uh, i personally i think um Chris Bryant is a much better fit in San Francisco their pitching is already very elite though with even if they don't necessarily have like the big names but i think if they were to not necessarily gut the farm, but move a couple young pieces. I think Brian makes sense. They can play him at third. When Longoria is healthy, they can put him in left. They can put him in right. They can put him at first. He's really versatile. So, um, and I think their offense is, might be due for a little bit of regression, to be honest. I mean, I know yeah. they've had some great resurgent seasons, but is that going to be sustainable the whole way through when some of the older guys or bodies start to break down a little bit?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think agree.
1: Brian makes a lot of sense.
2: I'm, I'm still not entirely sold on the giants as being like completely legitimate. Like, I think they're good just because they hit a lot of home runs and they pitch well, but I don't know, man. I just, I struggle to think that they're that legit where they're like, you know, one move away from winning the world series.
0: I was, uh, I was at the game last week, the, the first game that Kenley, uh, blew the save of, Um, and, uh, coming into that game i was looking at the lineup and i'm like how the fuck is this team the <laughs> how do they have the best record in the national league like this is ridiculous like they they're of course wilmer flores goes on to, to hit it a home run off of Finley, yeah. and you're like oh that's right it's the san francisco giants this is just what happens but like you know having lamont wade like like step up like crazy for them like getting there's i it, just looking at that lineup and thinking like, what the fuck? Like, the only the only
2: happened? guy that I think is like super legit is Posey, and that's yeah. just because Posey's good. Um, but I just I and you know what? Like I, it's gonna sound stupid, but like I'll say the same shit if they hoist the fucking World Series trophy in October. <laughs> like that's just never, what they never are. Never back
1: down from a take.
2: That's just what they are, man. Like they're always like they're always lucky. But I mean, like even the Do- like the Dodgers have. You know they've they've gotten to to Desclafani and they've gotten to Gossman and they've gotten to Wood. It's just with that with the Dodgers specifically, it's just fucking. You know Cody Bellinger airmailing a ball to third or, uh, you know fucking I Kinley Jan or yeah, Kinley gets a lot of shit and I think deservedly so. But like holy shit, Sheldon Noisy, uh, not stretching to get that ball at second last week. Yeah. Um Yeah. What an asshole! <laughs>
0: um, Sheldon noisy on a on a just a baffling tear of terrible play. Like, just, <laughs> like yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, unlike you, anything. I know. I know. I know
1: uh, when he like came up people were saying he's like a, a mini Muncy, a right-handed Muncie I don't know about all that. Not even. <laughs> not even. Not even close.
0: <laughs> I know. It's sad. Boomer sooner. Uh, How dare uh, you! I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, we all wanted him to be good. We all wanted it. Uh, God, I know, just like you know, Darren Ruff. Like I, I'm just looking at this Giants lineup, just like what the fuck. Actually,
1: uh, you mentioned um, Lamonte Wade earlier, and like I remember when the Giants, he was in the Twin System, and um, he he his, his really only his skill was walking. Like he would just walk at super high clips, but he would never actually put the ball in play and do anything, doubles, homers. He had none of that. Um, So it made sense that the Giants signed him because Zaidi analytical organization, you love guys who walk. But um, to see him just like all of a sudden start hitting homers and start actually being able to hit pitches in the zone, like, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what kind of development stuff they're doing, but it's crazy. Like, every single guy has reached the top 5% of their range of outcomes. It's really, you pick up Tyro Estrada and he's hitting like 350. Yeah. Like this is literally every player on their team. It's it's actually wild. I think it's more impressive than a Moneyball and the two thousand two A's. It's actually crazy.
0: No, that's a really good point because uh and this is the impact that like Zaidi made with the Dodgers and uh Friedman, I'm sure, uh imparted all of his knowledge onto him. And uh yeah, he's it, getting it, it, outclassed. <laughs> this is probably how, like, other fans have felt about the Dodgers for the last couple of years. Like, <laughs> you're, you're like, Max Muncie, really? That dude turned into one of the best uh, supporters in baseball. Like, really? um, oh. yeah, no, I, I, that's, um, I, I saw a recent tweet from Jeff Passan, which kind of came out of nowhere and it was uh, an interesting thing. One popular name on the market right now as teams go hunting for relief pitchers. Dodgers right-hander, Bruce Brewstar Um, So, of course, the Dodgers themselves should be looking at relievers. Um, again, you still – you have every member of the Nationals is available who's not named Juan Soto, and, you know, I, I, I wish that wasn't the case, but we can One try. One Cody
2: Bellinger for Juan Soto, who says no? <laughs>
0: um, and you have guys like Brad Hand and Daniel Hudson, which it's so weird, man, that, like, Daniel Hudson, like, was very useful for the nationals in 2019 and is like still a productive reliever. <laughs> like, that's like, if like Josh, he was their steals, closer. Wasn't, like, wasn't he their closer? Yeah. In that playoff yeah. Run? He was yeah. one of their two relievers that they, the nationals used like five pitchers in the entire series. It was Jeez. bullshit.
1: They won the world um, series with like five players total, the three starters and <laughs> Rendon and Soto. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was,
0: it was absurd. Um, and uh, but no, it'd be like legit, like if Josh Fields like went to the Red Sox in 2018 and then was like closing out the World Series, you'd be like, what the fuck, man? Like nice. <laughs> how, how this happened. Yeah. Daniel Hudson, just a reminder, you know, was on the Dodgers for a short bit, then went to the Nationals and helped them win the World Series. Yeah. Um. But Brewstar specifically. So the Dodgers, I think, are going to pursue relievers as they should. There's a lot of different names that they can uh, that, that they're exploring but on the, the flip side, you're looking at moving Gratterall and, and the way that pass and words, this is like Gratterall's a reliever available on the market, but I'm kind of taking it as they're open to using Gratterall in a deal for a guy like Scherzer or for, uh, for, you know, I don't know, Chris Bryant or something like that. Uh, not necessarily a rental though. Maybe for, maybe for Jose Barrios, you send him back to Minnesota and, uh, and get Jose Barrios out of that. Um, what are your guys thoughts about Gratterall kind of being dangled like this?
2: I think it's fine. I, I, <laughs> I think I said I I, I would do like a, a Gratterall for Kimbrel swap. I mean, I know they need bullpen arms, but it's it's quite possible that they have seen you know enough from Gatterall, Gratterall to think that like yeah, he's got this he's got he's got heat but he doesn't get a lot of swing and miss. Like it's a lot of it's a lot of contact for him, and I don't. I wonder if they're just wary about how that profiles long term, and I know that was a thing that they were were talking about during the season last year. Like, you know, maybe it was just you know just because of the shortened season, not a lot, not a large sample size, but you know maybe they've seen enough now where they're not that sold on um, what he could bring. So, I, I can see him being part of a deal to bring in a different relief pitcher. Um, but I'm not, I'm not shocked. I think, I think the Dodgers are in a unique position where they can repeat, but they also have a lot of holes. Um, so they're going to be creative in how they can fill that and fix it.
1: Yeah. Like in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's such a strange tweet from passing. Cause like in the, in the, he covers all baseball, not just mm-hmm. the Dodgers. Like that's kind of a random player to send a a dedicated tweet to hasn't has yeah. been traded, right? Like you look at the all 30 teams, it's sort of random. So I don't really know what's going on there, but, um, in regards to what Bo said about like Gratterall and he wasn't really getting swings and misses. I personally think that's something that's going to come with time. I think it re- reminds me of a uh, Dustin may. He wasn't really striking people out up until this year before he got hurt. Um, and at the end of the day, when you're throwing 99, a hundred mile per hour sinkers, the swings and misses will come, uh, May had literally the same problem, and he started to figure out this year, starting to to get people to swing and miss. So I think that's something that will come with Gradaral. I'm personally high on him as a a future closer beyond this year. Once Kenley's gone, um, it, it's hard to not be good when you're throwing a hundred with movement. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> eventually, you should, especially with the Dodgers' development staff. Like I'm confident he'll figure it out. And as a reliever, all you really need is one pitch that's really good. Now I, I think Gradaral
0: has that. But looking at this, like you mentioned, Wyatt, it's super weird for Jeff Passan to just kind of tweet this out when nobody else is mentioning that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it, you go straight to the top. Um, but I, I think that if Gratterall was a piece in a larger deal, I I would probably be fine with it. Um, I like Gratterall a lot, and I think that he would be a very useful part of the pen for for a couple years. I think that the fact that he's not been able to make an impact this season, it's not necessarily diminishing his value, but I've I'm at the point where like, this is kind of now the world series luxury kicking in where it's like, Oh, well, Gratterall gave us some good innings that helped us win the world series. If we moved him as part of a bigger deal, when he's like not, uh, not giving that same sort of production right now, I think I'd be okay with it. Um, but it 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 would have to be the right deal, you know. I I know that Tyler Anderson moved yesterday, but like if it was like for Tyler Anderson, <laughs> I feel weird about it. But, <laughs> but if you're if you're including him in a larger deal with like if it's a Trey Turner and Max Scherzer type of deal, then like if he's part of that, I would be I'd be cool with it.
2: Yeah, that's that's my thing. Is like I you know it, if Gratterall is the holdup between getting like Max Scherzer or not, like I think I might do it but you know <laughs> I'm much more likely to hold on to like a Kyber Ruiz after mm-hmm. that although the Dodgers seem to think that Kyber can do nothing for them uh in the majors right now so gotta keep letting them tear up A while Austin Barnes gets an at-bat here and there
1: that, that's another interesting thing the Dodgers are gonna have to figure that out you can't have Kybert just like rotting in A, just tearing it's at some point you have to you have to really give him some at bats at the majors because he's he's definitely outgrown Triple A. Like that's pretty clear. The power has finally come. I personally think either Barnes is going to get moved, kind of like an uh, AJ Ellis style trade, even though he's friends with Kershaw. We gotta do what's best for the team. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't shock me to see Barnes go to some random team for like a mid level prospect, or Kybert goes in a bigger deal. I, I don't think Kybert would go for Scherzer since Scherzer's just a rental, but. Kybert for Berrios, maybe because Berrios has an extra year of control but um and also maybe we get someone like Tyler uh, Taylor Rogers back from Minnesota he'd be a good lefty arm for the pen I could see something like that maybe
2: Yeah there's you you'd have to give me like a couple years of control for a very good player before I consider moving Ruiz after after what he's
0: done as of late and and that's where I that's where I'm at as well and I think that looking at the potential deals that are realistic out there I I would be good with having Ruiz be the main piece of a package that brings you both Barrios and Rogers um I I think that I I am super high on Ruiz and and I think everyone should be he's <laughs> switch hitting catcher with pop um and those don't come around very often but at the same time when we're you know will smith should be an everyday catcher um diego cartaya will come along eventually like it, the, the dodgers are fantastic at developing catching catching talent um so when you have this sort of luxury especially a guy who is is forcing his way through the door to get into the major leagues right now you have to address it right now so i, I i'd been saying prior to the season like this is the time to figure out what you're doing with Ruiz and he's he's clearly the best trade chip you have not because he's such a good prospect but he is also kind of a luxury at this point point. Um, and I know people talk about like well you could eventually move Will Smith to third base and have, have Ruiz play catcher and I mean maybe I, I still I still would have to see a lot more of Will Smith playing other positions before I feel comfortable about them doing that. But I, I think if it's if it's something for like for Barrios and Rodgers, which would make a ton of sense for the Dodgers to do, because you are getting an arm that's controllable, you're getting a young arm who's got great talent. I, I know that there are some people who are not as high on him because his numbers aren't as good as they should be, but I, I still think that with the Dodgers, he's he's a a, a fourth starter in this rotation, um, and it, well, it borderline three or four. Um, I fully welcome that. And adding Rogers to the pen fills a need as well. So I think I'd be good with with Ruiz being the main piece in that and you include a guy like maybe a Cody Hosey or maybe a Jacob Amaya. What are your thoughts on Berrios specifically? He's my sort of second starting pitching target. Is Scherzer's number one on, on my list. Berrios is number two. Uh what do you guys think about Berrios and and, and what what would that sort of deal look like to you?
1: Well, I think with Berrios, he he has he, when he came up initially, like as a prospect, he was one of the top pitching pro- prospects in all of baseball. And I would not say like he's been a disappointment, but he hasn't been that kind of like Cy Young contender, mm-hmm. ace, top of the line of the pitching savvy guy that you know some may have expected. But he's still twenty seven. He still is really good. He might not be an ace, a one or a two guy, but he's still. Really good. He strikes people out. He, um, from, you know, it. switching from Minnesota to L.A., and L.A. might see things that could kind of unlock his potential a little bit more. So I still think there's a lot of room for growth with Berrios. He has just nasty stuff if you watch him pitch. He throws hard. He's got nasty breaking pitches. So I, I think that uh, there's definitely a good chance the Dodgers kind of see something that they can unlock with him. And uh, especially since he has more than just this. He'd be on the team next year too. He has an extra year of control. That could also be a big bonus, work on some things in the off season. Um, but yeah, he, I, I do think there's a little bit more to him, but even if there's not more to him, he's still a really solid pitcher. He, he's, he can kind of be that workhorse that we were talking about. Um, I, I don't, I'm still hesitant on Ruiz. If we get Rogers back, I, I'd probably be more willing to it. It's a tough, it's a tough spot, but, um, yeah, I I'd love to have Berrios on the team.
2: Yeah, I think I think the extra year is very helpful. Um, and you do kind of just trust that like the Dodgers have fixed a bunch of guys or seen things in a bunch of guys that nobody else saw. So you you would kind of trust that they could do that with Berrios as well. I I just the more I think about it, the more I have to wonder if, if Ruiz has kind of played himself into like an untouchable scenario where unless you're getting like I don't know. <laughs> like, unless you're getting like Jacob Degrom back, mm. I don't know if I really want to trade him right now. Um, I, I just like I'm cool with Barrios, uh, and if you can get Rodgers as well, that's cool. I think Cartaya is probably going to be really good, but he's probably two or three, maybe four years away still. So I can I, I I'm easier to part with Cartaya. Than I am with Ruiz, I think, but they just it all just comes back to power. Like it really just yeah. all comes back to power and how how hard he fucked this team over. Yeah. Um and they, they just they need an arm or two. Like <laughs> in an ideal world, they would get Scherzer and Barrios mm. and and probably extend Scherzer while they while they're trading for him. Um but I don't think that'll happen.
0: It it sounds like the Dodgers are kind of viewing Ruiz as a borderline untouchable prospect. I think that they're open to to hearing what deals would be like with him in it, but I think they're rather reluctant to actually move him, uh, which I totally understand. Yeah, and, and
2: that, that's fine. But also, like again, there there also needs to be a point where like he has to play at the major league level, right? Like you you can't keep trotting out like Luke Rayley no. or Sheldon Noisy or even <laughs> even like a Matt Beatty. Like I, I I am reluctant to think that Ruiz could not play the corner outfield for a minute just to get some regular at bats in the majors.
0: Um because I was listening to five seventy yesterday and Vasse had mentioned and you know, Vasse gets all like kind of uppity and, and and whiny whenever he talks about untouchable prospects. He's like, Well, I guess <laughs> they view him as untouchable, so I guess they can't do it. It it's it's weird. But um he kind of he gave that sort of sass when he was talking about Ruiz and saying that it, it, the um the Dodgers seemed to view him as untouchable. Um and then he kind of transitioned to talking about Gavin Lux and he was saying that in his mind Gavin Lux doesn't have any value to to teams anymore. And I think that's because um, Vasse doesn't exactly like Gavin Lux as a person, but yeah, uh, <laughs> like, it seems very apparent at times that like uh, Vasse kind of definitely like has people he gets along with a little more, and he you know kind of talks about them a little nicer when he gets along with them a little more. Um, realistically speaking, though, is Gavin Lux actually is he a trade piece, and what is his value now in comparison to what it was say a year ago?
1: I mean I don't I do not see him as a piece we should be actively shopping simply because his value right now is the lowest it's been mm-hmm. in a few years really this is a guy who's, he was lots of people had him as the number 1 prospect in baseball and he's definitely disappointed he's been a below average hitter um his defense at shortstop hasn't been good enough Even the defense at second base has been much better and that kind of like lowers his his value going forward if he can't stick at shortstop but um I don't think he's someone that you should just sell low, sell low on. If uh, if a team really wants him and sees him as the top prospect he once was, then I do think he's definitely not untouchable. If you maybe talk about like a Trey Turner type, and if you if you were to get Bosters or Turner or something like that, maybe you talk about giving up Lux. But um, I, I just don't think it's necessary to sell low on him. He was such an exciting prospect. Um, I, I do think it. He's yeah, the the approach at the plate just hasn't been good enough. But um, he's still very young like he's this is not 26, 27. He, he still has plenty of time to uh, to develop and I think he's still a big part of our plans, especially if, uh, if Seager walks in free agency.
2: Yeah, there's there's so much about the Dodgers lineups especially that have been just completely tanked because everybody's hurt at the same exact time. Like ideally Lux would still be hitting like seventh or eighth, but when he's healthy, he's he's like you know, fifth or sixth because they've got like Rayleigh and Noisy in the lineup um I'm not I'm not ready to give up on Lux I I think Wyatt's right like you know if he's the piece that gets you Trey Turner or like Trevor Story then maybe I consider it but right now for for what's out there and what it seems like the Dodgers are going to do I I don't think I would trade Gavin Lux
0: I am I agree with you guys. I'm the same way. I think there's been way too much negativity thrown at Lux because he has he, – sure, he's struggled this season, but uh, I, I still think that the talent is still very clearly there. He's had times where he can still play. He's had to move around a lot because of injuries. He's been injured himself uh, last year, definitely, like, fucked with his development. So uh, I, I think that, you know, you keep Lux and go back to the drawing board in, in 22 – and pencil him in as an everyday infielder next season because like, the talent is clearly still there. Yeah. I, I, I'm still very much a believer in Gavin Lux and I'm, I'm sick of seeing people. Oh my, uh, we just jump off the, the we
2: whatever. have breaking news guys. Oh, Abraham Toro just hit another two run home
0: run. Ah, after-
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh man. That was such a funny
0: deal yesterday. My God. Yes. Good Lord. God, please turn into Jordan Alvarez. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. Oh, so you know what it's Fucking like. Oh, that's so good. Okay, so we've done uh, a lot of talk here on the trade deadline, and again, um, in in less than forty eight hours. It's all going to be irrelevant. So I hope you're listening to it now. Um, But let's, let's talk about the bullpen because that'll transition nicely out of trade deadline talk into a topic that everybody loves to talk about. And that's uh, when Kenley Jansen is bad. Um, But because of course, yes, Kenley has has struggled over the last week plus, and uh, we have a revolving door of people in and out of the bullpen guys who uh, sometimes show promise and sometimes show why they're quad a players. Um, Let's look at the, the the relief pitching trading market tra- trade market. Uh, of course, you just mentioned uh, Toro was swapped for Kendall Graveman, who was a guy who would have made a lot of sense for the Dodgers for quite some time. Um, there's, of course, Craig Kimbrell is is a, a very logical possibility, probably the the the, the best reliever available, um, but is also not flawless. <laughs> um, he was he also blew a save or two last week while Kenley was doing the same thing. So that's fun. Um, you have guys like Ian Kennedy, who has been heavily linked to the Dodgers. Um, what do you guys think is going to happen in terms of addressing the bullpen?
2: Uh, <laughs> I think you have to. <laughs> like well, Again, it's just...
0: <laughs> gotta hand it to him.
2: Yeah, it's just... <laughs> I, I get what they were trying to do, and like vasilla has been good uh, since he came back mm-hmm. and all that. But like right now, the only guy coming out of the bullpen that I have any faith in is Trinan like other than that like Joe Kelly just got hurt uh Kenley is so up and down as of late um and you maybe maybe part of that gets fixed once you have like you know your a, a starting pitcher or two going deeper into games again but you know i i think a guy like Kimbrell or a guy like Rogers makes a lot of sense i did see i don't know who it was from but like <laughs> The Dodgers are concerned about Kinley's performance if he gets demoted from the Closers role, which is like...
1: (laughs) They should should be concerned about his performance in the Closer role. Yeah. Like,
2: like he's just... He's going to be so, like, just bummed about it that he's going to suck ass as, like, a a seventh inning guy. Like, I I don't get that. But, um, like I said, like, I don't know. Like, as good as they are, because they are good. Like, they're just hurt. They're... They're, like, three games back from the best record in, in at least the National League. Um, but it just feels like there's there's a lot of, like, little holes that have turned into big holes as the team keeps losing, like, one or two run games. Um, I mean, the,
1: the Andrew Friedman uh, method of operations has not been to invest prospects or assets into relievers, really. I mean, he did sign Joe Kelly, Blake Shonin, Kenley to... Decent, pretty sizable deals, specifically Kenley. But um, like I don't see us trading any of our top prospects for Kimbrell, which I imagine is what it would take since so many teams want him. I I do assume we'll get like kind of a, a more marginal deal, kind of like – like like a- Friedman has a long history of guys that are like kind of middle relievers that he's picked up for pretty cheap. Uh, Josh Fields, which obviously ended up terribly, but at the time, Jordan wasn't much of a prospect. Daniel Hudson, Tony Watson, there's so many, the list goes on. They should
2: look at a, they should look at a Dylan Floro kind of
1: guy. (laughs) Yimmy Garcia just got moved (laughs) to (laughs) Houston.
0: Missed that one. Damn it. But Yeah, yeah, no, no, I agree. I I think that that's what it's going to come down to is he'll probably grab a random uh, middle reliever or two. Um, I do think the Ian Kennedy stuff makes a lot of sense and I, I, I could see that happening. Um, because he is, he's been a strong back end of the bullpen guy, um, but at the same time, like God, I guess we have to have this part of the conversation. Um, he doesn't like very obviously threaten Kenley Jansen's presence as the ninth inning closer, um, but this, God, okay, so this, this, yeah, <sighs> fucking Kenley, man. Um, the, <laughs> we we have been saying for quite some time death to all closers, the role of the closer itself should just be done away with entirely because you do not have to subscribe to the fact that the same guy has to pitch the ninth inning every night. If it's a safe situation, Like we, you don't have to manage that way. You don't have to have a guy who is specifically you ninth inning man, you eighth inning man, and that's it. And we saw last week why uh, that can be problematic because Uh, Kenley was obviously struggling when he came out and his first game that ended poorly. And for whatever reason, uh, Dave decided to 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 fuck over the entire um, uh, philosophy of not throwing Kenley on back to back games, which has (laughs) helped him actually perform well this season. We stopped throwing Kenley in back to back games and he threw him on out there just to, you know give him a boost to the morale and say like, look, I, 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 it's the ninth inning. That's your role. I'm going to you because you're my guy. But he also just completely ignored the strategy that they've been using all season that helped him succeed. And at the same time too, you're going to a reliever. It doesn't matter who the reliever is. It's a reliever who just labored the night before throwing 30 something pitches. Why are you then throwing the guy again in the same scenario when you have a whole bullpen of arms, that was pretty rested because only two relievers were used in the night before. So this whole, the the philosophy, I, I don't want to like just bash Dave for bullpen issues. He has issues managing the bullpen. That's, that's fine. But at the same time, too. You know, every manager has issues with managing the bullpen because bullpens fail pretty often. And that's just how it is. That's the nature of bullpens in baseball, and people lose their shit. Every baseball fan thinks that their bullpen is terrible. Ask any given fan, whatever team that they're a fan of, you ask them, How's your team this year? Oh, uh, you know, things are pretty good. They got a good offense. Some starting pitching is good, but I don't know about that bullpen. It's the, the standard yeah. shit that you hear from any single baseball fan. So everybody hates their bullpen, which is why, yes, Kenley got booed when he came off the mound. And I was there that first night when he came off the mound and got and got booed by the fans. I didn't boo because I, I just don't do that. But it didn't feel like... It was a personal attack on Kenley. It felt like just pure frustration from fans who had been sitting there for three hours, really excited about the fact that they were about to beat the Giants, and then suddenly it was tied, and now they're like, ah, fuck. Like, I was going to go home at a decent time because this is a work night, and now suddenly I can't do that because Kenley gave up a a home run to Wilmer Flores. It was, I mean, yeah, Flores' home run then gave them the lead, but, like, the point is... I, I thought that the booing was a bit of an overblown narrative in those first couple days after that because it, it didn't feel like it was a personal attack on Kenley Jansen. It felt like just a natural response of a frustrated fan base that had been sitting there for three hours. Yeah, dude. you it is what, it is.
2: What, what do you expect to happen when you blow a game like that against the Giants? Right. <laughs> like, like the again, the team's actual rival, the one that the fans actually do not like uh and you you blow a game like that which i think would have like moved them into first place or something like that at least tied for it so like i don't know what you expect Mm -hmm. and if you're going to be kinley who thinks he owns the closers role who then turns around and just takes a big old shit on the mound what what do you think is going to happen like what do you expect like that's that comes with the territory
1: yeah i gotta i gotta disagree with those fans who like take more moral high ground because they don't boo their own players like at the end of the day if you're at a ball game you're a fan you're allowed to express your frustration enough the the very uh unviolent form of just booing like there's lots of worse things you can do but um just like real quick going back to uh dave roberts i i do think he has like i think he's good at like kind of basic strategies putting in righties lefties at the right time that stuff but i think his biggest fault as a manager is Riding with certain players for too long and not seeing them for their on-field production at the mm-hmm. time, and I think Kenley's just a perfect example of that. He he should not have pitched that second game against the Giants after blowing it the day before.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that I and I think we saw it with Kershaw when he put Kershaw in against the Nationals for whatever reason in that game five. He just he rides with players a little bit too long and kind of doesn't see them for the production. Um, now, I think that's his biggest fault as manager.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It it's a very old school mindset, right? Like this is this is my guy. I, I know he can do it because he's done it before, he's my guy, he's gonna do it again. And it just completely ignores any sort of numbers, any it ignores the eye test as well, quite frankly. Like, like if you if you watch Kenley the night before, the simple eye test told you that he probably shouldn't throw again the, the night right after that. So um i think that it's funny too because fans who get especially frustrated with dave roberts are the same people who will be like you're ignoring the eye test you're you're being guided by the front office you're being guided by a computer no when he fails it's often because he's going with his gut and he's ignoring numbers this has long been the issues with dave is that like like you said he kind of just goes off of like this is my guy you know it's he, he pitches yeah. in this situation yeah. <laughs> and I stand by my guy.
2: And that's what you get. Like that's, that's the trade-off for like the players managers, right? Like, right. They're always going to stand by their players and they're always going to have their guys. And that's mm-hmm. just how you deal with it. But I mean, like part of it too, is like baseball is just, we, we aren't having this discussion. If Kenley Jansen gets out of those, those jams, or if, you know, if Sheldon noisy stretches for that ball at second, like we're not having this talk today. Um, it, it really always it, it comes down to players performing when given the opportunity, and Kinley didn't perform. So I mean, part of that too is Dave trusting Kinley when he shouldn't have. But you know, it, it's just it's what it is, man. <laughs> it's such a it's such a an random fucking sport. Like there's only so much that Dave and and Kinley can do. Like I, I definitely agree that Dave more often than not does not put the team in a position to maximize its opportunities. But like he also keeps that locker room um you know cohesive. I I struggle to think what someone else how somebody else would have handled this Bauer situation. Mm-hmm. Um at least the way he has. If if the reports about how the locker room feels about it are true, it's mm-hmm. it's crazy that we haven't had anything seep out into the public sphere beyond what was in, you know, an article
0: or two. No, that's that's a really good point. Because like, yeah, he's it, him being a player's manager is, is great in the long run. And like, it, it does create a very positive atmosphere in the clubhouse. And like, I think that is very beneficial. Um, it's it just when he, it's these, these micro circumstances, right? You occasionally lose a game because he'll stick with his guys. And like people, I think get way too worked up over that because in the long run, he, he is a good player manager because and that's really i think the most important thing for for a, a a baseball manager is that uh it's somebody who can run the clubhouse it's somebody that the players respect and that the players enjoy playing for um because anybody can put pitchers in from the bullpen anybody can fill out a lineup card yeah um and it's like you know if if a pitcher fails um certainly the the manager has to try and put pitchers into situations where they're more likely to succeed. Um, And throwing Kenley on back-to-back nights does not put him in that sort of situation. But at the same time too, um, if you, if you pull a starter in the eighth inning and you go to a setup man, um, that's, that's fine. If the setup man doesn't perform, that's on the pitcher that's not on the manager the the players have to perform if the yeah. offense isn't hitting it's not because dave isn't firing them up enough and it's not because you know i mean it might be because dave is having billy mckinney bat second but uh, i i mean uh otherwise though still the players got to perform so dave that's why to, like, dave
2: has to yell at them more
0: <laughs> he's got to throw I, some bats around i think that's one of the reasons
1: why um kind of related the Giants have been so good this year there's no like politics like they have to use a certain closer in the ninth they can mm-hmm. put Rogers out there they can put McGee out there right they can put someone else out there if the matchup's right he doesn't have to leave starters in for a certain amount of innings or they'll get upset he can pinch hit players whenever they want like Gabe Kapler can there's no politics in that how the Giants run their team and Kapler can kind of just do what's best on paper what's best in terms of matchups which is something uh Roberts can't really do with all the big names on the Dodgers. Like uh, last night's a perfect example. There's really no reason why Bellinger should have been hitting in the ninth inning against a lefty. Mm-hmm. Like there's no reason Bellinger should have hit last night in the ninth, um, especially with how he's been hitting. And with Pool was on, uh, Pool was on the bench. Like why did Pujols not hit for Bellinger yeah. last yeah. night? And that's a move where if that's the Giants, Kapler just does what the percentage play is. So I think that's a huge thing the Giants have in their favor that Kapler can just kind of do whatever the the numbers say, whatever the matchups say without all the extra political stuff.
0: No, that's perfect because uh, like, again, we're, I'm, we're not saying in any way that Dave is, is blameless. Like he, he, there are, are of course decisions that are absolutely questionable. I, I just, uh, he's always gotten too much of the blame is how I feel like on a, on a, on a day to day basis for like random regular season games. It, it, it kind of gets too much. Sometimes there are, there are absolutely mistakes that he's made over the last week or two. I'm not, I'm not saying he hasn't. Um, But in, in terms of like the overall picture, he does tend to do a good job. So uh just, just stop throwing Kenley in back-to-back games. Like, just stop it. <laughs> that's that's all we <laughs> ask. Though. Like, just like it was working. That's why he was pitching better. So let's let's stick with that. Okay, let's let's just go back to that. But I do like how like you know Alex Bessie has looked really good since he's come back. He struck out what like 15 straight people at one point in AAA. Like he was he, yeah, he was, it was
2: some some ridiculous number
0: um so some of these like like fringe moves you know they they do start to work out at some point uh none of the offensive players do but you know that that's okay um obviously the offense has been struggling and a lot of a lot of it has to do with injuries that the guys have but also yeah luke Rayleigh and and uh and sheldon noisy a lot of these guys have have no hope no real reason right now to be on a major league roster other than a kind of is what it is they kind of have to be like I can't imagine even these guys playing every day for like the Pirates or somebody like to <laughs> wow. I, 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 I be honest like that's that's kind of uh, the way that they're playing right now but it, it is what it is um, also yes 100% Billy McKinney needs to stop batting second <laughs> Like I don't, I don't I don't get that but you know I think I think it's entirely to like break up the right-handed bats which fine but you know, AJ Pollock is then hitting sixth, and he's been hitting like better than almost everybody in the line. You know,
2: end of the day though, Dave Roberts is the major league manager, and you're not, so you just gotta trust it. Yeah, <laughs> trust yeah, what he hit. Know, trust yeah. what he was doing out there. <laughs> it's
0: because the computer's managing. That's
2: why. <laughs> uh, I uh, think the Dodgers are due for some positive regression, please. Mm-hmm. like in place, the one run game
1: department the like, extra inning <laughs> department yeah, yeah. Like that.
2: they're what one in 10 in one run games or some bullshit like that like
1: in no, extra innings i think in extra innings yeah, yeah
2: it's just yeah there's it's just just a rough year overall man
0: and that's where it's like extra frustrating. And I think that's why a lot of fans are very frustrated right now. It feels like the team is worse because the losses are so close and they're clearly winnable games. And then something dumb happens and they just loot. That's how like the last week and a half has been is all the losses have been dumb things that like one thing goes wrong late in the game and that's it. But also the offense is not producing. So you, you, it's kind of like last night. Sure. The, Cody uh Cody's throat to to third base was hilariously bad like like it, we have to like watch that objectively like it it when we watch you' like god damn it that sucks if you watch that highlight again it's kind of really funny because the dude like I I find it really fun like Fernando tatis did this early in the season and he was even closer to first base where like, it's just a simple throw to first and he just chucks it as hard as he can. And it goes like 10 feet above the first baseman. And that's a hilarious level of an error because it's, it's just kind of it's just so ridiculous. So like Cody's Cody's throwing error was just dumb. Like he just, he, for whatever reason, took a ball and threw it as hard as he could just way over the guy's head. And you kind of, you kind of just have to laugh at it, but like, you can't fully blame, the game last night on Cody because like the offense scored one run. Like you're not going to win. They had,
2: they had what second and third with nobody out. Right. Yeah. Like, come on. It's not entirely Cody's fault. Just mostly,
0: just mostly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what do you do with Cody Bellinger right now? Pray that he figures it out.
2: (laughs) I I hope that, hope that he gets healthy so he can play center field.
1: the, The thing with Bellinger is his, his defense and center as long as he's healthy that's always going to be there that's always like a huge mm-hmm. huge boost to his value uh, but in the offense it'll it'll come around i think with time i mean it's been pretty brutal this year he hasn't it's not like he's been hitting balls hard and getting unlucky mm-hmm. a lot of strikeouts struck out just i think twice last night um, but as long as he's healthy I think he needs to still be in center solely for his defense mm-hmm. and then just hit him like sixth, seventh, even eighth in the lineup. Yeah. I don't think it's all see same eighth. That might be too big of a hit to his ego, but maybe seventh. Um, and, and just hope the bat comes around.
2: And, and in fairness, I think Chad Moriama mentioned it too, but like he had a good postseason, or he was yeah. having a good postseason last mm-hmm. year. And then, you know, he needed shoulder <laughs> surgery. So, you know, maybe he's not fully healthy. Um, I I struggle to think that Cody Bellinger is just never going to figure it out. Like he is, he's an MVP. Mm -hmm. Like he, he's a good baseball player. Um, It's just, yeah, like I, there's just, there's no consistency to this Dodger team. So I think any flaws kind of get highlighted and stick out on your mind. Um, And I know Mookie is also just such a, that's such a blow to what this team does and what they want to do.
0: He was he was looking like his old his old self again. It, that, that that's frustration is is the word of the month for the Dodgers because like Mookie started to look like his old self after after the All Star break and then instantly his his hip just completely gives out. Apparently, like he took a cortisone shot and like that didn't really do anything. Like that's that's the state of in yeah, right now. Yeah, that's very
2: uh, that's good. <laughs> that's very good.
0: <laughs> that's the stuff we love to hear. Oh God, just I don't know. Just give him a robot hip, tear it out. Um, but no, I think you just have to stay with Cody. Like he he has to the only way he's going to figure it out is if he plays. Like you can't just sit him on the bench. You can't he, you, like like you said, Wyatt, his his defense is too good in center field. Um, and quite frankly, when the alternatives are <laughs> you know, Luke Rayleigh and like yeah, and I mean, what if, what can if... you do?
2: If Philly, if Philly came knocking and said, "Hey, we'll do Bellinger for Harper," straight up, yeah, sure, I guess. But other than that, like, I don't think so.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating, and like that's that's what it comes down to, too. Like, you you have the bottom half of the lineup is is guys who really should be in AAA or they're guys who are still working through their struggles like Cody. So yeah, of course the offense is going to struggle because half of the lineup just really can't do much right now. So yeah, it's I frustrating.
2: I think the interesting question and this is the, this is, this is it for baseball for me today. Uh, Cause I have a question for you, Ryan. Um, how much of Corey Seager and Cody Bellinger's money should go into Chris Taylor's bank account. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, you I'm,
2: almost have to resign Chris Taylor.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he's he's doubled, maybe tripled, whatever amount of money he was gonna get just from this season alone. Like he's he's playing phenomenally well, and uh, he's gonna get MVP votes at the end of the season. Like honestly, he'll, you know, I mean, like you know, some seventh, eighth place votes, but but uh, like he's. He's he's been playing incredibly well. Him him and Muncy and Turner have been the saving grace of of this team. And when you look at like all the struggles that they have, they're still second place. They still have one of the best records in baseball. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's no, that's so... that's the frustrating thing is I think we all
2: know like deep down that they should have like the same seven eight nine game lead that they usually do in the division right now. We're, but... we're
1: spoiled. We're spoiled.
2: Yeah, exactly. We just yeah. they just don't have it this year. I, I do think at some point it's going to turn. Mookie's going to come back. Seager is eventually going to come back. Um, they will, I think more than ever, I think they're going to make a splash at the trade deadline. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that they will eventually be the team we all know that they are. But it's <laughs> it has not been like the most consistently fun watch up to this point outside of, like you said, like Turner and Muncie and Taylor.
1: Yeah, real Hi, quick, uh, just going back to Bellinger, I'm going to just throw some, a little bit of stats out there just to put it in context. When you look at Bellinger, there's definitely some positive regression coming. Um, his walk rate is in line with what it's been his whole his whole career, which is good. His strikeout rate's a little high, but it's about the same rate it was in 2017 and 2018 when he was one of the better hitters in baseball, so we know he can be a really good hitter even with a strikeout rate in the 25% range. Uh, his Batting average on balls in place, 200. That's definitely going to go up. Uh, baseball savant has his expected weighted on base average about 50 points higher than what it actually is right now. So he's definitely been a little bit unlucky. There's definitely some positive regression coming, and that's why he's still in the lineup. It's going to come. His defense will always be there. His speed will always be there. Uh, well, maybe not his throwing. I don't know about that. But um, <laughs> the, the, bat, the bat will definitely improve a little bit.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, no, those are that's that's good to know that that's good to see there there are signs of life with Cody and I think that like the game I went to last week um, like you know he, he came in obviously struggling and i and in and, uh, his first at bat he comes up and he grounds out on the first pitch and then the second at bat he comes up and he grounds out on the first pitch again and I'm like dude just what are you doing <laughs> yeah, there's so there's an element of impressing in as we see with a lot of players when they struggle so um but but there are signs that he should be able to turn it around. So Yeah. yeah um, I
2: believe. Um I want to get your uh just your your thoughts on the uh, the last couple of days here as a, a Green Bay Packers fan <laughs> and the the Aaron Rodgers uh uh fiasco coming to an end. I think for myself, as a for both of us as radio producers, and we'll we'll take you know you and we'll take Wyatt and everybody beyond beyond the veil a little bit. Mm. Uh, I was mad because I really wanted this to drag out as long as I possibly could, just so we would have stuff to talk about. Um, but I'm sure, as a Packers fan, there must be some uh, relief at least for this upcoming season, yeah.
0: Oh, never in doubt all is forgiven. Uh, <laughs> won <the Super> Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, no, like, I don't know. It's, it's very bizarre. Um, his, his press conference today was super interesting because he, it really, he really did make it sound like, look, I just, I just kind of wanted more say in what the team was doing. And they, they when they, when they drafted Jordan love, they made it clear to me that they wanted me out eventually. So I said, well, you know, fine. Then I'm going to leave on my own terms. They're like, no, no, please. And he goes, okay. Well, how about you? Yeah, how about you get Randall Cobb, and then I'll stay. <laughs> and they're like, all right. <laughs> 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 is that is that what you want? Um, so I don't know. I I feel like I feel like Packers fans should have like a little bit more animosity, but I think they've already forgiven them. Like they've they've already just moved on because the the franchise is Aaron Rodgers. Like you know, without Aaron, they're they're not competing for the super bowl this year that is what it is so um but the fact that he just kind of like took the franchise for a whirlwind but at the same time too i don't know I, the, the the reports that came out were were always weird um I, adam schefter kind of just sat on information and then decided to throw it out on draft day
2: yeah bizarre. that was that was always very interesting to me um,
0: um
2: i i thought it was interesting today in his presser like he, I think he kind of, I didn't, I didn't watch it, but, but reading some tweets and stuff, he, I, it sounded like he kind of tried to take like the, the media spun it a little out of proportion, but also it seemed like everything he said was exactly in line with what people were saying his issues with the Packers were yeah, uh, yeah the were. entire summer. Um, So it's very, it's interesting. And I am mostly like, as a Packers fan, you really have no option, but to like, <laughs> you can maybe like you can maybe like I guess if you're like Lee and you've always hated Rogers for some reason, you can like compartmentalize <laughs> it better. But right, yeah, like otherwise, I think you just kind of have to be like, well, thank God.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, you kind of just have to hit your wagon to him and be like, all right, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. It's fine. Um, I think that uh, it's just because he's just kind of a weird dude. I like, guess really what it comes down to he's he's a very sensitive guy. And, uh, and he just felt super disrespected by what they did with bringing in Jordan love and not consulting him on roster decisions. And so, he which that just...
2: is insane to me. Like yeah. I can kind of understand not consulting Rogers when you're going to draft the guy you want to replace him with, mm-hmm. but you're telling me they're not going to Aaron and being like, Hey, uh, we're thinking about doing this in free agency. Yeah. Like that's nuts. Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm not a, uh, I'm not a Packers fan. So I I w I wasn't really rooting for one thing or the other, but, um, I will say, I was, I was hoping Rogers would just retire and become the host of Jeopardy. That's really, that's really, what, that's really what I was uh, rooting for. Um, that's pretty obvious that won't be happening now. I liked I, him as two weeks as guest host. Um, I guess that won't be happening.
2: I was always curious. I, I really wanted to be a fly on the wall in the Rams front office when they made the trade for Stafford. Mm-hmm. And then, like, what, I think, like, a week later or two weeks later, it came out that, like, Rodgers was unhappy and he could be available. Like, how mad do you think they're, like... Well, it seems
1: like the Packers weren't going to trade him anyway. So I, it, it I it don't think
2: so. I, I think that he maybe had the idea of retirement in his head going into this week, and maybe the Packers were like, all right, fine, look, we'll lop off that last year, we'll void that year, and then, you know, we'll, we'll reassess in the next offseason, and he decided to come back. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, it's fascinating to me. I, I, I love the, uh, the control that Aaron Rodgers has over the, a single franchise like that. Now that he's back, like they almost have to be like co-favorites with the Buccaneers, right? Or at least like the tier below them.
0: Yeah. I, yeah.
2: I would, I would say my, my NFC top three right now are, are Tampa, Tampa, Green Bay and LA in some, some order.
1: Man. We're going to have a big season. I'm predicting uh I'll put on record right now 13 and 4 and a Super Bowl win with the Ooh. MVP being Stafford. Okay. Yeah. Super, Bowl, Super Bowl MVP is Stafford.
2: I, I I think they're they're 12, 12 and 5. Their their depth is a little concerning to me. I don't know. They don't feel they feel kind of top heavy. But I think they'll be good and it'll be nice to like be able to go to SoFi Stadium this year. Oh yeah. oh yeah, And I, I think it's kind of funny how whiplash it's been the last few days. Like now Matthew Stafford is being overrated. Um, (laughs) which like, I don't know, like, I think the three of us have watched enough Jared Goff over the last four years to know that he was not ever going to be that good. Um, I will always argue that the 2018 Rams were good because of Todd Gurley and not Jared Goff. And as soon as Gurley got hurt, that team started to sputter a little bit. Um, so I, I think it's kind of crazy that people are discounting how big of an upgrade Stafford is over a guy like Jared Goff.
1: Yeah, I, the thing with Goff is he could not do anything if McVay wasn't telling him in his ear yeah. what to do. No, like if if the defense was running, uh, like they they maybe show man, it would end up being zone. Goff could not adjust no. once that yeah. headset turned off. The- so <laughs> to have someone who can actually improvise and. Even if the arm talent is roughly the same, someone who doesn't need the coach to tell them exactly what to do and they can improvise, call it on audibles, do all that stuff, I think it's gonna be such a big improvement because our our defense was one of the best in football history yeah. last year, and we we did lose John Johnson, but um, as long as we have Ramsey and Aaron Donald, we'll, yeah, we'll have a top five defense easy.
2: Yeah, I don't think I don't think Johnson is overall that big of a loss. The Rams the Rams have a good safety room. Between Fuller and Rap, And uh, I think pff, there was someone else there. I think Terrell Burgess plays a little safety, doesn't he? Or yeah, you played,
1: played corner or safety. Yeah, e, yeah. E so, I mean,
2: I, I think the Rams calculated that. Um, and I, I don't think their defense is going to miss a ton of beats going from Staley to uh, – what's his name? Raheem Morris. Yeah, Raheem Morris. So, I I, I just – I don't know. Like, I'm high on the Rams this year. Uh I, I don't see why people wouldn't be. I think they're definitely the best team in the NFC West. I'm not. I'm not too sure the the 49ers are going to be that good this year. Um, I, I think the drop off from Robert Sala is probably a lot bigger than the drop off from uh, Staley to Morris. So that that'll be interesting. Yeah, the
1: the Cam Akers injury definitely was a blow. But at the end of the day, if you're going to have an injury to a top player it's probably best <laughs> that it's a run i don't as say yes but running back is, the that most is replaceable yeah. like yeah they at, a few weeks in you won't really know i feel like running back injuries don't go noticed as much as no. an offensive lineman defensive player quarterback etc they
2: can they can uh they can survive an injury to to cam makers they yeah, can't j- they can't survive like an injury to aaron donald or ramsey yeah. especially as shown in that playoff game against the daryl henderson
1: season baby daryl henderson and I
2: yeah I don't I can't imagine they go into into the season with Henderson as the only running back there. I mean, I like Xavier Jones and I like Jake Funk, but Funk has like one, one knee ligament left between both
1: knees. Well, we draft him for special teams, really, not to be. Around. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I, I just I I keep coming back to Adrian Peterson. I think he can still play, and he can take that Malcolm uh, Malcolm Brown spot there.
1: Yeah, the the way I read it is we're we're kind of give all the young players their their chance in camp. Yeah. And you kind of know what you're going to get with those veteran running backs, but we're going to get a good look at the younger players. And um, if it looks like we need a little bit more depth there, then we can sign Peterson or whoever, Le'Veon Bell maybe. And we know you know what you're going to get from them. Whereas we want to get a pretty good look at uh, the younger players, see what we have there.
2: Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting season. Wyatt and I will be at SoFi uh, Week One, so come find us. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, I don't know. Those tickets might be expensive. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm waiting to see what what work is trying to do to me. I I kind of am willing to shell down just to be at the first game with fans. I think that'll be.
1: Oh yeah, that'll be, that'll be
2: fun. Um, my last thing today. Uh, prayers for Bob Odenkirk who collapsed uh, yesterday on set and was rushed to the hospital. Um, it looks like we just got an update from what I assume is his son Nate Odenkirk saying that he's going to be okay. So oh, good. Yeah, that's... Thank God. Jesus, I know. God. He just got triples of the Barracuda, so...
0: Um, I want to say, obviously, like, his work uh, in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul is, is incredible. Um, the greatest sketch of all time is the story of Everest from Mr. Show. Uh, the, <laughs> the, um, I, I found it because Fred Armisen one time was giving an interview and he said that my favorite sketch all time is the story of Everest. Um, it is. I'm not going to like give away what the sketch is. the The second half of the sketch is 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 actually not that great. But the first half of the sketch, I the first time I watched it, I cried. And it is it is so stupid. I cannot express to you enough how dumb the sketch is. But it is so goddamn funny. I cried laughing. Hey, hey Bobo and Kirk and uh, David Cross are <sighs> fucking geniuses. Yeah,
1: I've always had the most of most respect for actors who can be like absolutely hilarious in comedy settings, but also be a super great actor in drama settings. There's mm. not a whole lot of actors who can do that. Um, I'm just my hope is that filming in New Mexico just like a, a dehydration thing. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, we'll, we'll find out more, but just uh, definitely keeping in my thoughts. I'm. Glad I just saw that tweet from Nate Odenkirk, so
0: that's definitely a good sign. Um, last thing from me, did you guys watch the Woodstock '99 documentary?
1: <laughs> I have not, I can't, seen. I can't say I have, no, no, no,
0: <laughs> on HBO, uh, directed by fame documentarian Bill Simmons. Uh, and <laughs> it's, um, it's actually, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's pretty disgusting. Woodstock '99 was pretty disgusting, but it comes to two hilarious conclusions one everything was fred durst's fault (laughs) and (laughs) uh number two uh then coachella came along and saved the world (laughs) and they like kind of very seriously make that point at the end of the documentary and it's it's almost insulting as a viewer. Like (laughs) you get to the point, the whole thing is about how terrible Woodstock 99 was. And then like, they kind of shove in a one minute commercial that golden boys paid for where like, it's very clear. They kind of, they, and then, you know, right after Woodstock 99, Coachella started in this beautiful place in, in, in Coachella Valley. And, and they, they had ample parking and free water bottles and you could watch Bjork and everyone was happy. And now everybody loves to go to it and it's happy. And I, and I was laughing at it thinking that this was a joke, but they were 100% serious breaking down how, uh, how Coachella saved all music festivals. And um, it's, it's the perfect utopia for music festivals because after all the, the energy of Woodstock 99, which was about how uh, nobody gave a shit. And then you go to Coachella where, Um, no one gives a shit about the music. So yeah, it's fun. Uh, it's okay. (laughs) It's, 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 uh, it's a good time. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, Wyatt, any, any final thoughts from you? Um,
1: no, real quick. I just want to say, uh, the TMZ article that just came out a few minutes ago said it was like a heart related incident, but, um, it's looking like he's uh rebounding and hopefully Odenkirk's going to be all right. But, Uh, um, just want to thank you guys. Had a lot of fun. Uh,
0: Hopefully we get Scherzer. That's all I really have to say. Absolutely, Ass Life can play us off as always. Thank you to the house band, Ass Life. Uh, This is Swing Shift. My name is Ryan. He is Bo. I follow Wyatt on Twitter at uh, Wyatt underscore Asher underscore. Um, Wyatt, thank you for for hopping on with us. Hopefully we'll we'll do it again sometime soon. Absolutely, thank you, guys. Oh yeah. See ya.